As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Last week, we aired our very first episode of Rocketship.fm's new season, all on Workplace Confessions. And we've been seeing some great confessions come in from you listeners, so that is awesome. Yes, let's keep these confessions coming. You can email us at team at rocketship.fm. We'll keep it all confidential. Don't worry. Yeah, in fact, we're hiring voice actors to portray these confessions, which is definitely something different for us. I admit, when I was listening to the first episode, a part of it felt like, I don't know, I was like listening to an audiobook or something. <laughs> an audiobook, yeah. So, I don't know, maybe we'll go that route someday, right? Something to think about. Anyway, probably getting way too far ahead of ourselves, so let's get to today's episode on more workplace confessions. Michael, why don't you go ahead and roll the intro? Welcome to Rocketship.fm. 
Rocket Ship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. All right, let's get right into today's first uh, workplace confessions, which we're going to call forced bonding. Uh, again, we've hired a voice actor to portray this confession. Um, here we go. I got my job at the start of the pandemic, and I've been fully remote since day one, as has pretty much everyone on my team. My superior still wants us to do team bonding, like virtual happy hours, parties, etc. They are super awkward. Also, every Thursday during our daily meeting, we have to state something that we aren't too thrilled about that happened the past week, and something good that happened the past week. I find myself struggling to come up with something, and when I do, it just seems stupid to declare out loud like I got annoyed when the park had a lot of people in it on my walk. Who cares? I don't even care about that myself. I just... I just want to do my job. Don't get me wrong, I like speaking to my co-workers before meeting and shooting the shit for a minute, but I was so excited to work remotely and not have to deal with team bonding, but it's still haunting me. I'm afraid if I simply decline, I will look like the asshole and I have a hard time feeling like an outcast already. Just, uh, suck it up? Anything to make it better? I don't drink or use drugs, so I can't numb myself out of this one. Michael, I know you're very passionate about team bonding, aren't you? Um, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> It's not quite my thing. I know it's something that's important, but it's not a strength of mine. Well, maybe you've just, you know, I don't know, been a part of a lot of bad team bonding retreats, maybe? Maybe something like that. <laughs> anyway, I can relate to whoever made this confession a lot. Well, I'd love to start dissecting it, but as always with these workplace confessions, we've enlisted some help. And today's guest expert is somebody that has been on the show in the past, He's somebody that's given one of the top-rated keynotes we've ever had at our conference, Industry the Product Conference, and somebody that created one of the breakthrough products of these past few years. It's Rahul Vora, founder and CEO of the popular email app, Superhuman. Rahul, you know, I'm curious whether it's something, you know, certainly as, a, as an executive, as a CEO, you know, you're probably, you might think about this from both their end of things and your end of things, you know, wanting wanting employees to to bond with each other. When you first heard about this confession, what crossed your mind? Empathy. You know, I sometimes feel the same way. It, I agree. Virtual happy hours and parties are super awkward, and they are sometimes uh, they're, they're not necessarily things that that I look forward to. But as the CEO of a company, as an executive, as someone who wants more than anything for our company to come together, uh, you know, I, I can't simply say, no, we can't do this. Instead, I always have to be like, well, okay, how are we going to make this work? So here's just a few observations that might be helpful. I found, especially when it comes to the virtual happy hours and the parties, it always helps to have just a few people, that's all you really need. But those people who are bundles of energy, they can engage others, they can act like a clown, they can regale the crowd with stories of the past, shenanigans from previously. And that's really all the all the kind of social lubricants you need. You know, even if you, you don't drink uh, or, or anything like that, it's just fun for everyone when you have someone there who's sort of facilitating and 
facilitating and making sure everyone has a good time. Another thing is it can help to be doing something. At Superhuman, we've done, for example, craft making events together. Like we had a facilitated paint that you probably done one of these in the past, you know, here's a picture that you want to paint and we mail out the paints beforehand and don't worry because no one can paint. And it's just, it's just really fun. Like it's a good way to hang out with your colleagues in a way that isn't actually doing work together, but also it's not awkward because you're not making meaningless small talk whilst doing nothing. You're actually doing something. And the small talk that you do have then just sort of fades into the background and it's just like normally hanging out with people. Remember when we used to do that? <laughs> as for the as for the starting the meetings, I am familiar with the format. And I used to run my meetings like that, where we had one good thing and one negative thing. And then it occurred to me, why are we doing the one negative thing? Like it doesn't really mm -hmm. seem to help. It doesn't seem to be adding anything. And so we recently changed the format to just one good thing. We each now in my staff meetings start the week with one great thing that's happened and we take it from there. And I have found that is significantly better than, uh, <laughs> than trying to come up with this sort of artificial balance and really sets the meeting off on a, on a buoyant positive note. Do you have um, people who don't like to participate or who you know um, don't want to participate in, in even the one good positive thing? No, no, I don't. The, the one good positive thing we found it's just really easy. Like there okay. is usually something great that's happened. And if, if it's, if there's something great didn't happen at work, then you can give a personal thing and vice versa. If nothing great has happened personally, you can give a professional thing. It is a tradition that we all opted into. Okay. When I will say this, the thing about it, even if there was somebody that maybe didn't want to share that one positive thing, it might be good for them. You know, in these yeah. times, like we're, we're thinking about the negative so much, we're thinking about things that get us down. Even if we're forced to to think of one positive thing, there, the reality is there probably was one positive thing that happened. But I know like when I forced myself, not even as a team building activity, just like forcing myself like, what did I do this week that was good? And then I really recognize it. Like it makes me feel a little bit better. Like even if I didn't think it would. So I kind of like the idea of having people do that anyway. Um, not, I don't want to say it like forcing, but just encouraging, I guess, maybe. 100%. It's the same psychological principle as maintaining a gratitude journal. It can be very easy to get into a negative mindset, which I worry that this particular person may have. The, the, the thing that really stuck out at me was the phrase, I have a hard time feeling like an outcast already. Mm. Just maybe indicates that the mindset is a little bit negative and that some self-reflection should, should occur, uh, some opening to possibilities as to, to how life could be better. Um, and yeah, I think it's like gratitude journaling. In fact, that would be my recommendation for how to approach it. Now, it sounds like this person isn't running the meeting. They can't just change the format of the meeting. They're going to have to provide the one negative thing as well as the one positive thing. It's fine. Let's assume that's the case. Here's what I would do. I would actually journal it, but not for anyone else, but for you. So maintain a little text file, write it down on paper if you want to. Just when something bad happens, write it down, get it out of your mind, put it on paper. It is certainly happening. <laughs> 
I can't believe that the worst thing in your week is someone got in the way when you're walking around the park. Like something worse happened to you. You're just probably really good at sort of brushing it aside and, and moving on. Maybe next time around, just write it down. But equally and more importantly, write down the really good stuff. And that way, when you're approaching the meeting, you're not going to feel anxiety over what to say because you're going to have it written down already. And the best part is you didn't write it down for anyone else. It's not going to feel like work. You wrote it down for you because you'll have the benefits of gratitude journaling, which is you'll feel good about the balance that's in your life and about the good things that are happening. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att. Com. That's business.att.com. So before the break, we heard today's first workplace confession about some forced team bonding that I admit I can relate to a little bit. All right. Our second confession for the day, it's a little different. All right. What's about? Well, let me ask you something. Have you ever had a boss where, I don't know, it just seemed like they felt that they knew everything and they dictated every little detail? I mean, fortunately, I don't think I've ever had that boss well, if you've never had that boss, chances are you are that boss. <laughs> In this next confession, we do hear about a boss uh, quite a bit. In fact, we're going to call this confession the all-knowing CEO. Here it is. I'm working right now at a startup company that, honestly, you've probably never heard of. We're here in the Midwest and in a very unsexy industry. In other words... There's never been a TechCrunch article or Product Hunt Award we've won that I can point you to. Anyway, I don't really mind all of that. We're doing okay. We're small. There are about 20 of us. We have decent funding, mostly thanks to our CEO and his rich buddies who have funded the company to date. And, despite the snark you may be able to already detect, it's not a bad place. There are good people here. We have a decent product. We have customers that seem to be into what we're building. We've got some revenue, and I've been having fun writing code, as they mostly let me do what I'm good at and ship product. Not everything is so rosy, though. I work on a team with three other developers, two designers, and one head of product, who basically is a product manager, but he somehow negotiated that pretty lofty title. Anyway, the head of product is a pretty sharp guy. He's worked at other tech companies and has seemed to know what he's doing. We're only two years old, and he spent a lot of time with customers to try to understand if what we're building is actually what they want. I respect him for that. Because before he joined, the CEO was really doubling as the head of product, and he's more of a go-with-your-gut kind of guy. In fact, that's the problem. Since our head of product has come on board, he's tried to change the culture a bit and get us out there talking to customers more. Our CEO seemed to be on board with that, but lately, We've been getting a lot of suggestions from the CEO on features and product changes. It became clear pretty quickly that those suggestions were actually more than that. One time, he interrupted a meeting our product team was having and put our head of product on the spot, asking how far along we were with the changes we all agreed to. We were like, uh, 
because we never agreed to any changes. After our meeting, the head of product said he'd be having a one-on-one -on -one with the CEO to confront him on the issue. But the next day, the product change was on our list of work. On one hand, I enjoy getting to just do my work, and I mostly have been able to do that. But it's clear that the CEO and the head of product aren't seeing eye to eye. And it's also clear that the CEO is making product decisions based on his, I don't even know, cool ideas? I'm really not sure what I should do, if anything, in this situation. But it's getting pretty annoying. All right. So I, I, I've never been in a situation exactly like this, but I can empathize with this person somewhat. And I, I, there are some people I'm envisioning in my mind that maybe, maybe uh, fit this description. And I'm wondering, Raul, as, as a, as a product person, also as a CEO, um, yeah, when you heard this confession, what was your take? My take was that it's really common and. Sometimes it's not a terrible thing. Like th this was the, I, I wish, wish I could actually be in a conversation here because I'd love to dig deep and ask if, you know, do the five wise exercise. Why is it a problem? Why is it getting annoying? Because sometimes the CEO, especially if they're familiar with the industry that they're, they're trying to sell into actually has a lot of right gut sense. I, th I think the, uh, the phrase was, he's more of a go with your gut kind of guy. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe that gut sense actually isn't too far off the mark. Now, I know a lot of what we've done at Superhuman in the early days was based on my gut sense. We didn't really have the resource to spend a lot of time, even when we were 20 people, to talk to customers um, a huge amount. And when we did, even if you do, a lot of polish and a lot of um, if you know if you're seeking to change convention and do things differently it's going to come from inspiration it's going to come from gut sense no not everything can be driven by user feedback and i actually have a whole framework you know i spoke at industry last year about this around how feedback is important but it really should only be 50% of your roadmap the other 50% should be vision and what you believe ought to exist in the world and that's why i'm not immediately going to sort of pick a side here because I think one of the, the things that the CEO needs to do, and then later on the head of product, is provide the other 50%, which is what do we believe ought to exist in the world? And it's not necessarily going to come from our customers, because generally speaking, our customers don't know. So all of that said, it does sound like there are some other problems here. It sounds like the CEO isn't particularly good at conveying the why behind their suggestions. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to be the kind of product CEO who has a lot of input into the roadmap and who has maybe input into detailed decisions over how things look or feel, then you also have to be good at explaining why those things are good ideas. I think it's perfectly reasonable for the CEO to have the decision at the end of the day, right? That is their job. Ultimately, someone has to take final decisions. And if they feel strongly about this, so be it. But it is also incumbent upon them to explain why. Because if people don't understand then you're not building a scalable business. You're not transferring that gut sense to other people. And you're not really preparing the business for success down the line. And you also just end up with confused individuals. So that's one issue. The CEO should get better at explaining. The other thing that seems pretty apparent is that the head of product and the CEO 
don't seem to have particularly great communication or particularly great relationship. Because in the story as told, the head of product went to the CEO and said, presumably with the the goal of not having these things added to the roadmap, came out of the meeting, those things were on the roadmap with no apparent explanation given. Right. So it seems like the CEO is just sort of steamrolling here and saying to the head of products, now these things are on the roadmap, but no one really knows why. So one or both of those people aren't doing their job correctly, and it might even be both of them. It is the head of product's job to understand why the roadmap is the way it is, and because the CEO said so is not a good enough answer. I don't know what they can necessarily do in that, um, well, aside from maybe bringing everybody together. I don't know, Michael, what do you think? I think one thing they could do is ask that why, because no one else is answering it, right? And, yeah. and I, I think the one, they can't solve this problem. They can't fix the CEO and head of product's relationship, but I think they can push the head of product to give them that why. And if that forces the head of product to go to the CEO and get on the same page as to how do we sell this into the team? What is the explanation around why? Why? Um, then maybe they'll start to bring those up front to those meetings. So I think the one thing this person could do is really just push for better understanding of, of the direction. Because they're to Raul's point, this probably is a really good reason why the CEO wants to move in this direction, but it's clearly not being communicated effectively. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so turn this into some kind of like set of recommendations. Uh, I, I think what you said, absolutely, start asking why. And it can be a difficult conversation with someone who is frustrated, short for time, or who doesn't know how to communicate. It's not exactly the best foundation, but either having the head of product do it or do it in a group setting where it's less likely to get explosive, maybe. So I think that's one thing. The second thing is having a better way of aligning people on the same page in terms of what's going to get built. I would start asking questions like, where is your roadmap kept? Is it visible? Is the same document visible to the CEO as is visible to the developers, as is visible to everybody else? If that's not already the case, and it doesn't sound like it is because otherwise there wouldn't be this massive mismatch of expectation, then that would be my next step. I would just add on to that too, for this user to assume good intent. And, and it sounds like there is a mutiny starting internally where everyone is, um, is, is fairly disgruntled. But when asking that why question, it shouldn't come from a place of confrontation, but it should come from a place of curiosity. And I think they'll see a much better result in that. I agree. I'd even go further and, and adopt the mindset that it's a good idea. Like, yeah. assume that the CEO's ideas are good and are, and are coming from a good place as opposed to the um, the opposite, which would be a, a cynical, this person doesn't know what they're talking about because they're not talking to customers. Just to tie it all the way back to the very beginning, customers don't know everything. Right. And if we only react to what customers tell us, well then we're not gonna, I don't think we'll build successful companies for the most part. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, there's a lot to learn from today's confessions, don't you think, Michael? For sure, yeah. Let's wrap up today's episode with one big takeaway from each of us. 
I'll start. All right, please do. Going back to the first confession on force bonding. Again, this is the one that I could really relate to. I'm not a team bonding kind of person always, but at the same time, there is value in camaraderie with your team. There's a value in making sure that you can connect with your colleagues on a personal level. So for me, I think the takeaway is that we shouldn't just automatically dismiss things that make us uncomfortable, right? We should be open to new ideas. When we hear of ideas that we think, okay, we've done this before, it it just won't work. Maybe instead of shutting them down, we should hear them out. For me, it's not that team bonding isn't a good thing. It's just, I, I've been through some, well, bad exercises of it. But it's not to say that different exercises couldn't have much better outcomes. So I think I'm gonna try to keep a more open mind. I think that's a great takeaway. And hey, I support you in your quest for personal <laughs> growth there, Michael. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> sure. Okay. Now, I have a takeaway from today's episode too, um, but I'm going to take it from the all-knowing CEO confession here. And my takeaway is we should consider assuming good intent more. That confession, I admit when I first heard it, my re initial reaction was, oh boy, like that CEO is getting way too involved, not empowering the team. But Raul reminded us that Maybe it's not the case. I mean, it's a small company. And in this case, the company's progressing well. Maybe it's because of the CEO's ideas. So rather than looking at it as the CEO putting his or her nose where it doesn't belong, if the CEO's ideas are worth pursuing. Well, again, if you listeners out there have any workplace confessions that you think are worth putting out there, uh, maybe you want some excerpt advice too. From us, from the guest experts we bring on, like Raul Vora or, or like last week, Ben Foster, then let us know. You can email us at team at rocketship.fm. That's right. We hope to hear from you soon. Thank you so much for listening to rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network. And if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.